and welcome to our podcast, friends. We're doing it, Matt. We're going to make a podcast. So uh, welcome to Ballot Boxing, where Matt and Christina, friends you don't know yet, talk about the Oscar Best Picture nominees. Usually Matt and I try to watch all 10 nominees prior to the Oscars airing, discuss them amongst ourselves. So now we're just going to record those discussions. Yes, drop in. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun ride. It's it's called ballot boxing because we are going to verbally spar over the candidates. Discussion will be a plenty. Fantastic. Well, let's get started. Hi, Christina. What's the matter? Oh, sorry. I just woke up from watching the Fablemans. Okay. <laughs> Hi, everybody. We're talking about the Fablemans. We are. We we saw it, and uh, and we're gonna talk about it. I want to. I want to just apologize to start off, Matt, because I feel like I have become a really negative Nelly in this podcast, and I I just felt so good last year when I watched Coda, and we and I didn't know what it was about at all. Like I went into that totally blind. Maybe that's my key. Maybe Tar. I'm gonna love Tar because I'm going into it totally blind. Mm. Um, but I went into Coda totally blind, and when it ended, I turned to you. And what did I say, Matt? That's the best picture. Winner. That's going to win best picture, and I, then I was right. And, and we haven't had, we haven't replicated that this year. Oh at all. no! And I like, I like that, I liked that feeling. Mm -hmm. And none of these are nearly as good. And even the ones I was looking forward to, I haven't liked. I was looking forward to seeing Avatar too. Okay, but the, I agree. Mm -hmm. We we have been coming across negative, and I, that's the last thing I want to be mm -hmm. is negative about about movies. Mm -hmm. I, I adore movies, and I'm I'm really having a lot of fun doing this, even mm -hmm. though we're we have been critical mm -hmm. of the last few so and, I, and bit of a spoiler for this episode. Um, we're going to be pretty critical of this one as well. Mm -hmm. But I think maybe we're getting into some good movies. Now we've got three left. We've got tar. We've got triangle of sadness, which I feel like might be a dark horse and banshees of Inisherin. banshees, which could go either way. You might, you might adore it. I, I have seen it already, but I'm saving my thoughts for when we see it together. Okay. And uh, I think that, while I may have reviewed it negatively initially, I, I'm going to try to refocus. Okay. In the context of seeing these other movies, I think that matters. Oh, of course it does. Yeah. It's a comparison point. And, and that's the thing about this is like having seen, for instance, Top Gun, which we both enjoyed mm -hmm. and everything everywhere mm -hmm. and women talking, mm -hmm. we know when something is appealing to us. And, and by comparison, by contrast, the Fablemans kind of missed the mark. Yes, agreed. Okay, so should so, we get into a plot summary? Yes, Matt's going to do the plot summary today because I don't feel like I'm very good at this. Okay, plot summary is really straightforward. Right. Uh, the Fablemans are a family. They're the I think the movie starts in the uh, middle 1950s. Mm -hmm. um, it begins on a movie line with uh, fathers, uh, father and, and wife, husband and wife, and their young son are going to see his very first movie. It's the greatest show on earth. And uh, it seems to be an important experience that they've been building up the boy is afraid um he overcomes that fear they go in they watch the movie he's overcome by the spectacle on the screen and so begins a lifelong affair love affair with making Film. films mm -hmm. um this is the story of steven spielberg it's autobiographical his mother played by michelle williams his father's played by paul dano and the movie's about i think it's an interesting title because at first you'd think this is the story of the whole family, but I think you know one of the things I've I've come to realize is that maybe it's the story of the husband and wife, the Fablemans, the couple, mm -hmm. and that Sammy Fableman, the Steven Spielberg proxy, is just this the cipher, the key by which we see the relationship between the husband and wife unfold. That the movie's really about his parents, and less about his development as a director. Mm -hmm. It's almost ancillary to what's really going on, which is the 
disintegration of the marriage, mm-hmm. um, which isn't a spoiler to reveal that. Mm-mm. But I think that's really mm-hmm. what the movie's about. And so along the way, um, the family relocates twice, once to from New Jersey to Arizona, a second time from Arizona to California. Um, and we are we are seeing things through the eyes of Sam, Sammy. And um, he's certainly an important character and the actor that plays him, his name is Gabriel LaBelle and he's, he's on screen a lot, mm-hmm. but uh, I think it's, I think I, I would say that Michelle Williams is really the lead of the film Agreed. with Paul Dano in a very important supporting role with Gabriel LaBelle, even mm-hmm. though Gabriel LaBelle's on screen a lot. Mm-hmm. So how's that for a summary? That Great. Just, yeah. Great summary. Yeah. Seth Rogen plays the, um, the fairy, the, <laughs> the, the, uh... he's, he's Paul Dano's best friend. Yes. And but also sleeping with his wife. Uh, sleeping with is not well, that's never confirmed. True. Um, what is confirmed is that they adore each other. Mm-hmm. They have great affection for each other. In fact, Michelle Williams actually says at one point, it never it never got to the point that you think it may have gotten to. Mm-hmm. That she's been she's been withholding that part of this this relationship um all along mm-hmm. and that she's been the sexy part yeah she's been she's been physically faithful to her husband if not emotionally right uh, that's a good way of putting it yeah yeah so uh but i just want to talk about well can we start talking about acting 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 actoring there's sure. a lot of actoring mm-hmm. happening a lot of acting yeah. uh so first of all i want to talk about seth rogan because seth rogan i i mean i'm starting to think that everyone in hollywood is like pretty intelligent um but i never thought i would say that about seth rogan specifically um but i read his book last year and i enjoyed it it was not free but maybe on sale it was his audio book i listened to and i thought i'm not gonna be able to deal with however many five hours of seth rogan <laughs> his way through a book and it was really well written excellent i googled it afterwards it wasn't ghost written like it was a really interesting entertaining book yeah um and he's great in this if he didn't have the <laughs> voice um, he would, you would, he would, you would lose him in, the, you in this role. Into the character. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. He's excellent. Yeah. And he's got good taste. Um, he's typically partnered well with mm-hmm. people and made good choices. I can't really think of more than a handful of movies that really didn't work. Mm-hmm. And usually those are ones where he's tried to sell out a little bit. I think of Green Hornet, for instance, mm-hmm. as a movie that didn't work, but generally speaking, he, he does make interesting choices. Mm-hmm. Paul um, Dano's great in this. Yeah, Paul Dano's. The, so we're talking about what's good about the movie at this point. Yes, we're talking about all the good acting because there's a ton of good acting in this movie, even if it's not likable acting. Yeah, Paul Dano's really effective as the <laughs> the father who is a uh, a man of innovation and science uh, on the but, sort of leading edge of computing technology. But, but is it reminded me of my dad a little bit, like super into what he's into, but generally about as exciting as watching paint dry. Yeah, um, and unless very you much, talking about that thing he likes, yeah, and he, but he he adores his wife. Yep, and he wants to please her, mm-hmm. make her happy, um, and I think that 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 really comes through. There's a mm-hmm. point where like he says, "I'm not going to argue mm-hmm. about this," right? And it's like you could tell that that wasn't the first time he'd taken that position, and mm-hmm. he genuinely didn't want to fight with his wife. Like he couldn't bring himself to fight with her. All of this is still reminding me of my yes, dad. Yes, very much, very much. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, there's also um, some really effective cameo mm-hmm. work in the movie. Um, we'll talk about the other the leads uh, in a moment, but um, one is a bit of a spoiler. Um, so I don't know if we should. Are we spoiling the movie? I guess we are. Sure. I don't think it matters who who plays the role, to be yeah. honest. So Judd Hirsch is in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, sort of in the midway point. He arrives, and it is a hurricane of activity 
and, um, and, and, and and effective plot moving forwardness. Yeah, and well, and he confirms the uh, artistic lineage that that uh, Sam, the character of Steven Spielberg's proxy, comes from. That mm -hmm. his mother and her uncle shared this uh, certain flair for the dramatic mm -hmm. um and so it, it comes stands to reason that he would be the same and the other the other um cameo is david lynch the director playing playing the director john ford yeah he appears in the second to last scene of the movie and it's sort of uh you want to get nuts let's yeah, get nuts it is it is it is almost almost to the point of parody yeah um and i don't know how well that's going to resonate with an audience in 2023 who doesn't know who the hell john ford is i, don't know I thought is. to myself there's this i know you don't there was a scene in that scene where he appears just before that mm -hmm. the young sam um he's at the cbs studio on a hollywood lot and uh he's looking around at all the posters for all the great films that john ford made and there's a stack of oscars on a desk in the corner and i it occurred to me that you probably hadn't seen most of and probably had heard of even less of mm -hmm. these movies and i thought like okay was this... there any i had seen on the posters i feel like maybe there was one well the grapes of wrath no um what was the searchers no treasure of the sierra madre no. yeah you haven't seen any i feel of them. like there was one maybe. stagecoach no maybe there was none okay there yeah. was zero that i had seen anyways he's effective in that role yeah he's quite good um gabriel labelle i back, i thought back to our leads back to the lead so he is the he is the the central character technically things happen around him yes he's in most of the scenes yes. um he's i think I, I i wrote in my notes that he's sort of like a more handsome jason biggs he reminded me of jason biggs in the in american pie mm -hmm. who had like a real wholesome all-american quality to him um had the right physicality for the comedy that this role asks of him mm -hmm. and well i'll speak to that a little more later i don't know that i necessarily bought him as a serious filmmaker to be, or even as a son, he often looked too old to me to be the actual, like the, the teenaged version of what he was. He looked oh. more like a 20 year old playing a 16 year old. I thought that in the high school scenes, I'm like, oh my God, when are we gonna get away from having early people, actors in their early 20s play yeah. 15, 16, 17 year olds. However, I'm reading your notes here and I disagree. I didn't think there was any like teen comedy elements i know what you're getting at in the prom scene and the christian girlfriend and stuff but i just thought that that was um i don't know i because it's because it's mostly autobiographical i just assumed all these things had mostly happened or at least partially yeah, they're, happened. Played, they're played for comedy in a in a in a way and i think that that, that was where that actor sean i thought he was better in that scene specifically with his uber christian girlfriend mm -hmm. who invites him to pray and it turns into a makeout session mm -hmm. the way that sort of scene played out and the look on his face the look of incredulity when she's like taking his hand and making the sign of the cross on him and stuff like that i thought that was i thought that was quite funny and he was he was best i thought in those scenes mm -hmm. less effective in scenes the dramatic where, scenes well, especially when he's got a playoff of michelle williams who is going for it yes and that's the other um the other lead and i'm actually not going to speak to her yet because i was not i'm going to put that in the things i didn't like about oh the we're film. still in the things i did like okay yeah. got it um other things i liked can i talk about this yeah the, when he gets punched there's a one part where he gets punched in the nose again not a spoiler and i thought the makeup on that was really good mm -hmm. because often when people get punched in the nose they just do like some blood and this was like legit like swollen nose black eyes starting to bloom like all the things that actually happen when you get punched in the face mm -hmm. i thought that was really realistic 
Yeah, you've left a lot of bodies in your wake, faces oh, that have been stop. punched. I've never punched anybody, but I just thought that I've seen punched noses, and I thought I just thought that that's something it stood out to me because it often that kind of thing gets overlooked. It's a minor mm -hmm. detail. I thought this was like a testament to Spielberg's attention to detail. Yeah, good sound editing too. It sounded like you got punched yeah, in the very face. Very crunchy, yeah. punchy. Um, and the 1960s details. Through, mm -hmm. through all the houses, through all the fashion, through all the all those details, I really, really liked. And I like it's worth mentioning. Can you just say that like this is set roughly in the same time that Elvis is set? Yes. And Elvis was like an ostentatious. Look how 1960s this is, and mm -hmm. this was much more subtle. Yes. But everything looked lived in and realistic. Yes. And less polished and brand new. And I know that's part of like the gaudiness of the Elvis experience. But this, I agree that those details did work particularly well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, one of the things we did. Oh, and one more thing you liked. Um, a couple more things. A couple more things. I like the scenes that depicted him going through the process of being a filmmaker. Yes, like me too. Operating his camera, editing the film. Yeah. Um, little hint at how he scored things or yeah. how his mom helped him to score things. Um, and uh, I thought those were really good. And I also thought Julia Butters uh, playing his, I think his middle sister. Yeah. Um, and she was the little girl in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that acted opposite of Leonardo DiCaprio in the big scene in the saloon. Mm -hmm. um, she's an actress to look out for. Um, she's clearly a, a real talent. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm thinking, you know, not since Dakota Fanning have we seen a child actress that's like as believable mm -hmm. and, and sort of loses herself in the role. Maybe um, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz as well. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm thinking female actresses. I can't, I can't. I can't think of a male. Not since young Kirsten Dunst in Interview with the Vampire. <laughs> That's the last child actress I yeah. noticed. So you have Michelle Williams. Maybe we'll bridge the gap here. We're going to have to take a break in a second. You've got Michelle Williams as, um, as, a, as something you liked? No, not really. Well, I didn't like her character. Okay. But let's take a short break and we'll come back and we'll tackle Michelle Williams and then all the things we didn't like. Okay. Of which there are many. Sounds good. Okay. talking now about the things we don't like yeah but, but, but bridging movie. bridging okay we're bridging between the two like a mortgage um so i just thought she was totally unlikable which i know that you don't didn't like her either the character but she disappears into the role i went into this movie not liking her as an actress and i continue that line i was i went back through her filmography while this movie was on and um <clears throat> a clear a clear indicator that you weren't enjoying it is that you yeah. you did go to your phone i went to my phone uh but and it's funny because i look back on her on all of her movies and all of the movies that i have seen with her in it i like brokeback mountain blue valentine uh the oh, what's it called the greatest the greatest showman yes the greatest showman really like that but i was thinking about it last night and today all of those movies she is my least favorite part i don't know what it is about her but i just don't like her face oh, like goodness. i don't i don't like i don't like watching her um but she's so good in this and through our, our other podcasts and movie things that you and i read and listen to apparently she was like a lock for best supporting actress and she campaigned to be nominated as best actress and there's no way that she shouldn't be in that role she carries this movie well she's definitely the lead i would say that there's there's no way you could see yeah. it another way Agree. She is she is the focal point of the film mm -hmm. because she's the focal point of Sam's life. Yes. 
and Paul Dano's characters. And I can't remember what his name is actually. Mm. He's so Mr. Spielberg. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Mr. Fableman. Mr. He, Fableman. He's he's so uh, clearly in her thrall. Yes. Everybody's just sort of left in her wake mm -hmm. at all the time. All the time. In her orbit. Yes. Yes. Um. So like I I think that like and, and her character is accused several times too of needing to be. Yes. The sun in the orbit, needing, yeah. needing all the spotlight to be on her. This is, she's a narcissist or an mm -hmm. egomaniac. I think Steven Spielberg wanted to... I mean, it's interesting that his mother passed away and then this movie got made. Yes. Right? Clearly, this was something that was going to be difficult for him to do with her alive. Because mm -hmm. he wanted to show her having foibles, is the word I wrote in my notes, and that he wanted to show her as being eccentric. Um, and Honor her at the same time. And, and, but the movie, because it spans a lot of time... And this is almost into biopic territory, mm -hmm. even though it's you know, semi-autobiographical and fictionalized. And really only takes a decade. Yeah. The, the the problem is, is that we only ever see her at her worst mm -hmm. or at the weirdest. Um, you know, she makes really random decisions. Mm -hmm. um, she's very impetuous. We see her, you know, choosing to, to dance and, and capture everybody's attention. She's on the piano. Um, so she's refusing to cut her fingernails, mm -hmm. like just a lot of really weird stuff. The monkey, she buys a monkey at mm -hmm. one point. There was the kids in the car when there's a tornado coming to go and see the tornado. Chases a tornado. Yeah. And, and all of it is like, what the hell is going on? And I think that Spielberg maybe forgot that as the viewer, we didn't see her in the quieter times. We mm -hmm. didn't see her and come to know her in any other way. He's mm -hmm. showing her almost entirely as a lunatic mm -hmm. um and certainly one who fostered his creativity and was his greatest champion in the arts it seems mm -hmm. and a partner um and she had wonderful qualities clearly but the way that she's portrayed as a character i found her character wholly unlikable mm -hmm. until the end at the end when when they the divorce happens and they decide to split up and all that stuff i found her much more relatable at that point and when she's talking to him about his movies and how he has to do his movies, basically from the moment they, mostly I'd say, from the moment they moved to California onwards in the movie, the last quarter, I find I found her much more tolerable. Prior to that, yeah. Not, well, then that's when the wheels really fall off for her. Too, <clears throat> yeah. right? She's grieving the life they've left behind, specifically the Seth Rogen character, mm -hmm. Uncle, Uncle Ben. Mm -hmm. Um I also thought that it was interesting. This is another criticism. We're moving off Michelle Williams now. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, um, do you have anything else to say about her? No, no. I just I thought she was fantastic, even though I don't want yeah. to see her. Well, in like, like a weird place it, to be. Just a digression. Like we've seen, we haven't seen Tar yet, mm -hmm. but Kate Blanchett is apparently the entire film. Mm -hmm. We have seen the Michelle Yeoh performance. Mm -hmm. I found Michelle Yeoh also similarly had unlikable characteristics. Uh, she's very hard on her daughter mm -hmm. in every, everything on all at once, but she was relatable. Mm -hmm. I found like, I thought to myself, like if I were in a room with Mrs. Fableman, I'd leave. I would leave. Yeah. I couldn't be in her company. No. Um, I, 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 another character that I felt like that was Holly Golightly in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Mm -hmm. I just thought like, Oh my God, this person is insufferable. <clears throat> yeah. And um, I, I, I have a hard time reconciling that it's a great acting performance. Part of the greatness of the acting performance is how much it grates on us. And yes. I think it's intentional. Yes. But it also just makes it someone that like disengages me makes from it, the movie. Yeah, hard to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so other things that I, I thought I, I never really got 
because I think really, as I said earlier, the movie's about the relationship between the husband and wife and less so about the development of Steven Spielberg or Sam Fableman's mm-hmm. um, skill set as yes. a director. It's certainly prominently featured that he's making films, but we got a lot less insight into why he loved making films. I think it was subtextual. And I think really what it came down to was that him making films was how he communicated to his mother, how he expressed his love for his mother and how he could affirm for his mother the interest she'd taken in him. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately it was very clear that Sam received characteristics and traits from his father, the technical wizardry and know-how and the innovative skills, but that from his mother, he had inherited the creative spirit. So he was honoring his mother by making these films because it validated her experience and life as an artist. Um, but that's all subtextual. I found that like really tough to access. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I may be just like stabbing in the dark here. I don't even know if you necessarily agree. Uh, yeah, I didn't think about it, to be honest. Yeah. I didn't, I, I just, uh... but you'd think a movie about Steven Spielberg coming of age would yes. be about him learning how to make films. And it's really not about that. It's more about him. It's about his mom. About his mom. Yeah. About yeah. his mom and his relationship with his mom. And like, how she was nuts, but um, how he loved her and how, like you said, she was his champion. So, and I don't watch movies the way you watch movies. I don't watch movies and think, I'm starting to watch movies and think to myself, what is this director trying to tell us? What, what are, you know, what, what feelings do the elements give me? That kind of stuff. But I don't, I just, I just watch it for entertainment. I'm not watching it to think deeply, more deeply than, than what I see on the screen. Also, I think that Spielberg probably changed key elements in this so because he says it's semi-autobiographical which is just like the worst term mm-hmm. right because like okay well then what about it is autobiographical and what if it is the semi right like what if it is the is the part you made up so i think anything that's semi-autobiographical really just means it's fiction so it's not uh i wasn't wasn't looking for those kinds of things i, th- I just thought really at the end of the day it's about his relationship with his mother and i thought the points you made were really good and uh, more of a critic's eye but at the end of the day it's just like for me it's a boring movie about a kid and his mom who's nuts mm-hmm. that's all okay i thought that was really actually i wanted to mention this thing uh really m- up until the point again this is on the the drive to california she gets out of the car at one point she's so upset they left uncle benny behind and uh they're talking and i thought and she's talking to him about the affair and that was the first time that i really had the perception of them and I read this in the like IMDb trivia too, that Spielberg had more of a older sister relationship with his mom than a mother relationship with his mom. And that was the first time in the movie that I felt that, that I thought, oh, this is more like siblings or friends talking versus a parent. A parent would never tell their 15 year old son, like, well, here's, here's how the affair started mm-hmm. and here's how I feel about it. And you're, do you think your father knows? I thought that was really like almost abusive. To be talking to him like that treating him like a confidant yeah. yeah and 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 not not pitting him against his father but certainly like bringing him into the interior of her thought process which is an adult thought process and he is not yet an adult yeah i just thought it was strange at the very least well and she clearly needed him to validate or justify what she was feeling yes like she needed him to say it was okay yes and he needed to understand why she was doing what she was doing mm-hmm. yeah it was not a parental relationship it mm-hmm. seemed not to be mm-hmm. i i think that's an interesting insight okay so we need to take a quick break okay and then we'll come back with our last couple of thoughts and then our case for whether or not this should be best picture
last thing I, I wanted to ask you, did you notice, I know you're not, you don't pay as much attention, right? Mm -hmm. we, we've established that. Did you notice the gauzy lighting? So I, I would not say that I don't pay attention. Okay. I would say that I am not as detail oriented, that I'm absorbing the big picture and you are looking for granular movie critic parts of film okay. that I just don't notice. They just kind of factor into the overall effect of a film on me. Right. No, I did not okay. notice gauzy lighting. It's been, so what I mean by that is, is that there's like this almost over, oh, scenes seeming almost late, scenes seem like they're almost overlit. Mm. Um, and that the light is like pouring in through shears or something like that. Mm. And that at the edges of the frame, there's like extra light. He's been doing this in his films for quite some time. Um, I'd say more than 20 years now. This has been an effect that he, he likes to utilize. And uh, frankly, I'm just, I'm over it. Mm. I don't see what it adds. It actually is distracting mm -hmm. at this point. Cause it's like, oh, here we go again. It's like Martin Scorsese playing Sympathy for the Devil in every movie. Like mm -hmm. it's okay, we're playing the Rolling Stones again. Like mm -hmm. I get it. You like doing this, but let's let's look at something else. He did it in, uh, in Minority Report. Uh, for instance, um, he's done it in, in a number of other of his uh, more recent films. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm being, I'm being a little picky mm -hmm. in that case. And I, I don't even know that. Well, if it bugs you, it bugs you, Matt. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. just there. But So ultimately, those are my, my Your thoughts. Yeah. Okay. At the end of the day, like if I'm summarizing, that's, that's something we should do. Summarize this movie in one word or in one sentence. Maybe we'll do that at the end. We'll do like a bonus episode. Um, for this one, my I'm going to say my sentence right now. It would be boring kid deals with his boring mom and her affair while making movies like it's just i really thought it was boring we did watch it in two chunks so that does uh sometimes you know there's things that we've watched in two chunks where i think if we had watched it in one chunk, yeah but like it was merciful because this this movie felt really long too that's mm -hmm. something that we haven't talked about but it was like it was very long it's two hours and 40 minutes yeah and it's very plotting like mm -hmm. i think it would have been a robust hour and 40 minutes with like, like an extra hour give me a short ass movie matt yeah we, we know this yeah there's Pete an extra... davidson if you're listening yeah yeah what are the um, chances probably really low fingers crossed is he one of our hundred listeners yes he is um okay so pretty exclusive crowd though so you put on the notes today is this the best spielberg since 2000 so oh, no what what is the best spielberg since 2000 i have think? an answer for you okay notice the list all right um i what i did was i took all of the movies that i liked Top five movies, which happened to go in a row. Mm -hmm. uh, Spielberg movies uh, between 2000 and 2005. And it's really unfortunate because there was a really good one in 98 that I liked. Saving Private Ryan? Yeah, that'd be the one. Mm -hmm. So uh, that uh, that would be up there for me. So the, the five that I've got here are um, AI, uh, ta uh, Minority Report, uh, Catch Me If You Can, The Terminal, and War of the Worlds. What's your favorite? So that's that's the five. Out of those five? I would say catch me if you can, okay. Because I, I, I just really like the the audacity of the characters. In You're that gonna one. hate my answer. Um, What's my favorite out of those five? Oh gosh, I'm guessing it's Minority Report. It's not. Oh, then I don't it's know. It's War of the Worlds. Really? I saw that in theater, maybe with you. Interesting. And I loved it because I loved the book and I thought it was a good adaptation. And. Uh, if I'm looking at the best Spielberg since 2000, I'm, I, I know that that's probably not going to be a, again, critic's choice, but I thought War of the Worlds was like an entertaining movie. You're leaving Bridge of Spies out and The Post. Correct. And West Side Story. Ugh. Okay. West Side Story. West Side Story. All right. Okay. Gross. All right. Um, I'm a musical person, people. I need to put this out into the world, Matt. 
I'm a musical person and, and I, I did not like West Side Story. I did not at all. Choreography, great. Couple of songs, great. Overall plot, terrible. Most of the music, terrible. Oh, overall plot, terrible? I'll, terrible. I'll let William Shakespeare know. No, no. It's, to- it's not the same as Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet is like a beautiful story. And when you update that to 1950s, 60s New York, it just does not jive. It does not hit in the same way. I'm sorry. I don't like it. And I know that I'm not alone. And I know that musical is very divisive. So I'm comfortable saying that I do not like it. Well, there you go. That is my story. Are we sparring? I don't think we are sparring because I I, like I, I don't like it either. And I generally don't like musicals. That would be the part that I would oh. spar with you over. Okay, let's make the case tonight, that this could be... Tonight. That's the one good song. Uh, that, that this could be best picture. No. What, what's the case? Uh, no, no, we have to make the case. That's the idea. Have, that's We have to make the case. Yeah. This is a best picture if the voters value what? Spielberg's entire contribution to the world of film. Okay, so this, so is, this a, is a Lifetime Achievement Award Oscar. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there's a little bit about a movie about making movies. Mm, a little bit. Hollywood loves l- those. Yeah, but it's not really about that. No, but I, I agree. They'd be deluding themselves if they gave it to him based on that. And maybe for getting really effective performances mm-hmm. out of an unknown. I don't know Gabriel LaBelle from, from Adam. Me neither. Paul Dano and Michelle Williams both turn in excellent actorly performances mm-hmm. um so you know those might be those might be reasons why it's deservant mm-hmm. no that's not, <laughs> that's not a word uh of of best picture but i i if we're going back to our, our classical ranking i still want to lock elvis in at the bottom of our list really i feel like really? this goes above elvis i found elvis less entertaining than this we're just gonna look at the list um so so far um we haven't been keeping a, a, a rank. We and should we've be. disagreed. I I know we we've disagreed a little bit. Um, I have Top Gun at the top. I had Women Talking a close second. Everything Everywhere third. I'd have The Fablemans down in the bottom five. Absolutely. Yeah, me too. Because it needs to be. Uh, what was our word from Women Talking? Riveting. This is the opposite of riveting. So yeah, I would put it. I'd put it near. The opposite of riveting would be coming apart at the seams. <laughs> Oh, good joke. Uh, I would, yeah, I'd, I'd put it near the bottom too, unfortunately. And I was looking forward to this one. Yeah, I just wish it was more about making movies and less about making mommy happy. A, I wish it was a short-ass movie. That's what I wish. Oh, yeah, agreed, yes. But if just it's going to be a long movie, padded. shit up. If it's going to be padded, yes. then pad it with interesting technical details about how films get made. Yes. And the innovations that he made to make films. Mm-hmm. Um, and not um, camping trips. Yes. And his weird dancing hallucinatory mother yes <laughs> great plan okay um okay so uh, have we done it we're, yeah, so, we're getting close and thank you again for everybody that's been listening all the way along it's, yeah. it's an honor to know that you're listening to it's us. truly it is if we you're check, still with us here. we check our analytics um so so we have watched matt and i talked about this the other night we have watched seven of the ten usually at the beginning of this whole podcast in the in the intro you hear every week uh I say, like, you know, we every year we try to watch all 10. We've literally never watched all 10 nominees. It's getting done this time. But it's getting done this time because of the podcast. So thank you for listening. Thank you for encouraging us to complete this project. Again, we're not committing to what's next because I, I think I know what we're going to watch next. But I could be wrong. So we'll see. Um, but it's, it's definitely getting done this year. 
And then maybe we'll even be able to get into a couple of the other nominees. Like maybe other some documentaries or oh. some of the foreign language films yeah, or maybe, maybe the, at, the shorts. I'm at, I like the shorts. You know, I'm in for that, especially the animated shorts. Last mm -hmm. year, I watched all the animated shorts. You remember that? Yes. I love them. Uh, and I called the winner last year, too. It was on fire last year. Um, the I meant I meant the best actor, best actress nominated oh, yes. films that we maybe haven't seen. Yeah, we could take a run at that. It might be a little harder to track a couple of them down. Yeah, two Leslie's going to be real challenging, but we can do it. Um, so if anybody's got a bootleg, get yeah, us up. Let us know. Uh, so yeah, so maybe next year, next week, we'll come back with a ranking too. All right. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. Bye for now.